very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And tonight, you really don't want to miss this interview. We have a former CIA officer coming to talk to us. So if you wanted to listen to the entire interview, click on the subscribe button and you will get your login immediately. Don't delay any longer. And I hardly talk about our forum, but it's still there. If you are a subscriber, I want to find a place with like-minded people, a place where you will be safe in interacting, sharing your truth, and discussing what matters around the world, including survival, health, conspiracy facts, and even the elections. Then use that benefit that's available to you. A worldwide audience of mature people is not what you expect from a forum. There is respect and decorum there. Why do I mention this now? Because I strongly believe that changes are coming in the very near future. And I think it's very important to be in touch as a community of like-minded people. I'd love to see you there interacting with everybody else. And if you want to get in touch with me, you want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback. I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight we discuss politics, saving civilization, a global perspective from the eyes of a former CIA officer. Nazis, Gold War, false flags, underground cities, and even extraterrestrials. All of this and more with tonight's special guest, Robert David Steele, an internationally acclaimed intelligence professional with 30 years experience as a clandestine and covert operations officer, a foremost international proponent for open source intelligence. Steele has been a keynote speaker at many venues, including hackers on planet Earth, the Department of State, and the Department of Homeland Security a regular contributor to the International Journal of Intelligence and Counterintelligence. He has published nine books on intelligence and information operations. His work has also appeared in Time, Forbes, and the Journal of Conflict Resolution. And he joins us directly from an undisclosed location. Hello, Mr. Steele, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm fine. Please call me Robert. Thank you, Robert. Well, 
this is a treat for me because for years your name has been coming over to us all the time and we finally made contact lately and you were kind enough to chat with me a few days ago because right now we're in the middle of this election. Politics is something that I, folks, I'm going to have to ask for some license to discuss this topic right now because it's very important. But before we proceed, Robert, let's begin with a little bit beyond what I read. Who is Robert David Steele? Well, I guess starting at the beginning, I'm the son of an oil engineer who married uh, my mother when they met in college. She was Colombian at the time, so I'm Latino. Um, I grew up all over the world, and so I have a different perspective on the world than most people who who never leave their county. Uh, I um, came back for university, and I studied, among other things, revolution, uh, the preconditions of revolution. And my most popular graphic is the chart that shows the preconditions for revolution that exist today in the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, then I joined the Marine Corps to get away from Wall Street and found that boring at the time. So I joined the Central Intelligence Agency, which is very competitive. And by the way, agents are the ones that commit treason. Uh, case officers or operations officers are the ones that recruit them. So I am technically a former CIA officer, not an agent. Um, I uh, was asked by the Marine Corps to create the Marine Corps Intelligence Center. And that's when I discovered that the secret world is a fraud that it is spending billions and billions of dollars on collecting uh, secrets, a few secrets, and now on mass surveillance. But it's not actually processing all of this information, and it's not collecting essential information about critical issues like poverty and infectious disease and environmental degradation and genocide and other atrocities uh, and crime, including crime by our own politicians. Uh, so we have, I think, a, a dysfunctional system, and I, for whatever reason, ended up being the guy. I'm not a whistleblower. Um, I still have clearances, and two of my books have forwards by U.S. senators that have been chairman of the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence. So I'm essentially an idealist and an advocate for reform. Because I believe, as Thomas Jefferson said, that a nation's best defense is an informed citizenry. And what we have today is the collapse of our educational system, our intelligence system, and our research system. Uh, we are literally uh, imploding as a civilization. You advocate open source. And lately, I've been thinking about how can we allow the population to participate more in politics because these alleged, well, not alleged because they are elected by us, our representatives, really are not there for our best interest. I'm thinking of direct democracy. I'm thinking of open source voting. Have you ever thought about that? Well, I, I have. In fact, uh, I briefed the Occupy Working Group on electoral reform. Let me start by saying that we don't live in a democracy in the United States. Uh, Jimmy Carter and Princeton University and multiple international observers have all pointed this out. What we have, and, and Chris Hedges wrote a marvelous book called Empire of Illusion, The End of Literacy and the Triumph of Spectacle. What we have today is essentially a theatrical political system in which a two-party tyranny blocks 
um, six other legitimate parties. I actually had to run for president in 2012. I was accepted as one of three candidates for the Reform Party nomination. And what I discovered was that the whole system is rigged. I said it first. I mean, to his credit, Donald Trump is now uh, saying the same thing. But I said it first. The system is rigged. And in fact, I drew some of my inspiration from Teresa Amato's wonderful book, Grand Illusion, um, The Myth of Voter Choice in a Two-Party Tyranny. And she's the one who made two-party tyranny a legitimate phrase that is now commonly used by people who understand that we don't actually have a government of, by, and for the people. We have a government of, by, and for the 1%. Uh, who are busy looting the public treasury at a 95% discount because they pay 5% of their illicit profits back into the two-party tyranny, and that's what keeps the whole system going. Um, so electoral reform is actually 12 different things. And one of the reasons that people aren't engaged today is because we have an educational system that has been very deliberately designed to dumb us down and tune us out. Um we don't have Micah Sifri wrote an excellent book. And by the way, I'm the top Amazon reviewer for nonfiction. I read in 98 categories. And if I mention a book, I've reviewed it. So you can get a summary of, of the book by finding my review. Uh, but Micah Sifri wrote an absolutely superb book called um, The Big Disconnect, Why the Internet Hasn't Fixed Politics Yet. And it speaks precisely to your question. They don't want us talking to each other. We have a Tower of Babel that is very deliberately maintained, and we have an official media owned by five corporations that are complicit in whatever the official narrative happens to be that day. And so journalists have gone down. There's in the United States, I was reading the other day, that journalists have gone down from 66,000 to about 14,000. Um, and the reality is nobody in the United States at the political or financial level cares about the truth. All they're interested in is how can they optimize their profit in the short term. And that leaves us basically creating a massive cesspool. Um, the Clintons have put more black people in jail than there were slaves at the beginning of, of the Civil War with their Crime Act. NAFTA destroyed more white uh, middle class and blue collar jobs than all prior administrations together. The uh, repeal of the protections that kept Wall Street from speculating and abusing um, consumers were on the Clintons. And by the way, lest your people not understand this, Hillary Clinton was co-president with Bill Clinton. She actually threw Al Gore out of the offices designated for the vice president in the old executive office building. She was, for all practical purposes, the executive vice president of the United States of America during the Clinton presidency. And so all of the bad things that happened then, as well as all of the bad things that have happened under Obama, can absolutely be traced to Hillary Clinton. And you were referring um, to the Glass-Steagall Act, by the way, right? Yes, thank you very much. You know, I, I, I was hesitant to name it because I wasn't sure I had the right name. Thank you for putting that in. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I thought about this a lot. And, and open source, what open source can do, and one of the problems is that people don't understand that open source is there's actually 61 opens. Uh, there are many more, but I itemize 61 of them in a book that's become a, a minor cult reading, uh, which I'm very pleased because my editor was superb. She cut the book in half and reduced every word by one syllable. Um, 
the Open Source Everything Manifesto, Transparency, Truth, and Trust. And the point that I make in that book is it's not good enough to just have open source software. It's not good enough to just have open data access. You have to have open access, open data, open source software, open hardware, open spectrum, open cloud, open base transceiver station, which is free cell phones. I mean, a cell phone is nothing more than a ham radio that looks good. Um, and I'll remind your listeners that hackers, the, the first ham radio operators, were considered by the U.S. government to be both communists and hackers and enemies of the state. Um, so the first adopters of, of cool technology are generally feared by the government. And one of the problems we have today is that the government controls technology. The government controls information. Most of what we're told about diseases and viruses and, uh, and vaccines and unemployment statistics and inflation rates, these are all lies. The actual unemployment rate in the United States of America is 23%. And in many demographics, including people of color, old guys, single moms, and uh, recent college graduates, it's 40%. So whatever comes out this Friday, don't believe it. Absolutely not. And and the way the government manipulates this is they keep changing the the definitions. For example, if you stop looking for work, you're no longer counted as unemployed. Right. Uh, U1 is 5%, U6 is 10%. The real unemployment rate, which I get from shadowstats.com, uh, John Williams is 23%. And, and in fact, the Congressional Research Service, which is a very fine organization whose products are in theory not public, but the Federation of American Scientists manages to get them. Uh, they published something in, um, May or March of 2015. That says that 40% of all adults are not participating in the economy. Now, that includes people in prisons, hospitals, students, and retirees. But the, the reality is the U.S. economy has collapsed and Obama is using every trick in the book. And in fact, I'll say that this first debate, you knew it was rigged in favor of Hillary Clinton the minute that the moderator said the economy has been improving. When he opened the debate, the moderator is a smart man who knows that's not true. Therefore, he is a corrupt individual who was setting Hillary Clinton up. Do you think Hillary Clinton had help that day? Was there some kind of, uh, I don't know if it was an iPad or something that was showing her, uh, perhaps even something in her ear. Did she get help? And it was obvious. The, the, the short answer, the shorter answer is probably but to give her credit, Hillary Clinton, unlike Donald Trump, actually prepares. This is a ruthless, calculating woman who is willing to do her homework, and I respect her for that. She's also a criminal. Uh, I don't respect that. Um, and so go ahead and ask me. Between Trump and, and Clinton, I go with Trump. I would rather burn the house down with an idiot than have a criminal run the government for four more years. And this isn't that sad that a lot of people, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, I would rather vote for Trump just because I cannot see another Clinton in the White House. It's not just another Clinton. It's the establishment. Right. Now, sadly, I have to tell you, I mean, I've, I've actually wondered because Trump is a smart man and he's also a very gracious man. Uh, people who know him personally, including Arabs, have said he is one of the most down-to-earth, personable courteous people they've ever met. He's, he's a man who knows how to get along with people. So I published a piece 
at Phi Beta Iota that speculated as to whether Lady Lynn Rothschild has actually promised Trump $20 billion if he blows the election. That would basically increase his wealth by, by three times. Um, and the thing is that after JFK was assassinated by his own government in, in, in cahoots with Wall Street and Texas Energy, no president has actually been president in the United States. They've all been pawns and prisoners. And if Trump were elected, my greatest fear, apart from him embarrassing himself, is that he would be immediately bought out. Um, I, I don't know if he has what it takes to actually create a bulletproof presidency. Um, but I will tell you with absolute certainty, there is no way on God's earth that I will vote for Hillary Clinton. Is this a ploy, Robert? And I've said this for a few months now. Is he being put there? to allow Hillary Clinton to win. The reason why I say this now, and I reinforce it, was after watching the debate. I understand that he's not a politician, and he's not that polished when he speaks. And you would think that after a few months of having been the, the, the selected person for the party, that he would have been more polished during the presidential, the first presidential debate, and he would, not, he would have shown a, a thicker skin when Hillary Clinton was attacking, he could have counteracted those attacks with so many facts, and he did not. Why? Well, I, I really want to draw your I want to draw your listeners, and I'm waiting for it to come up. Um, I, I have a fast internet connection, but for some reason it's slow right now. I've published a piece uh, which speculates on whether Trump has been bribed to throw the election, and I cannot imagine a more perfect candidate who would make Hillary Clinton plausible. Uh, and, of course, you have to wonder about Gary Johnson. Has Gary Johnson been paid to be stupid on television? That Hold it right there, Robert, because you were, you were running for the Libertarian Party, and I have to say, I'm a Libertarian. Oh, and, and, so am I, by God. <laughs> when, but unfortunately, the Libertarians are their own worst enemies. Well, when I hear Gary Johnson speak, and they ask him about Aleppo in Syria. He doesn't know what Aleppo is, and he doesn't know some of the leaders around the world. I think, why is he doing this? Is he, is this real, or well, is he another Ross Perot? I've I've met Gary. He's a very likable person. I I let him drive my 1964 MGB when we were campaigning <laughs> in New Hampshire together in 2012. And and I think the book on Gary is is he's very healthy now. In fact, he talks too much about climbing Mount Everest, but he has done a lot of dope in his time, and I think he's lost some brain cells. Um, and then if you add to that Gary Johnson being given an offer he can't refuse, much as Ross Perot was threatened out of the race in to, his own time. To dilute the voting. Um, I mean, the only, the only explanation I can see is some combination of dope inattention and bribery. Uh, right now, it seems to me like everybody who is opposing Hillary Clinton is either pay, being paid to be stupid or being murdered. What about Jill Stein? You know, Jill Stein's a gracious lady. I, I tried to meet her once when we were both campaigning for president. She was like a deer in the headlights. Um, now she's just a publicity-seeking vandal. Um, and I think that 
there is a lot of good in the Green Party, and I particularly admire Cynthia McKinney, who ran for the, who was yes. nominated as the Green Party uh, candidate at one point. That is a woman who is de- dedicated to the truth at any cost. But I'd like you to know that for this election, I tried to get the Libertarian and the Green parties to combine and run a joint ticket. And my dream ticket would have been me as a libertarian and Jill Stein as the as the female vice president, doctoral level, good person. Why not, uh, why not Cynthia McKinney? Well, actually, I love Cynthia McKinney, but she wasn't running. I okay. think me with Cynthia McKinney and and a cabinet which I've posted before with Ralph Nader as attorney general, um, this lovely brown lady as secretary of the treasury. Uh, Governor Weld as uh, the uh, the uh, governor general running a new council of governors that that restores what was supposed to be the senators were supposed to represent the states. We're the United States of America, not the United Individuals of America. And the federal government is supposed to be an administrative service of common concern to the states. It is not supposed to be an imperial power. And if I were president, the first thing I would do is take away the power of the federal government to tax individuals. Uh, the federal government should be working on allotments from the states. Um, but didn't that come, Robert, from the enactment of, of course, the the uh, uh, tax the revenue act, which came after the Federal Reserve Act? Would you, if you were president, would you work to abolish, not audit, abolish the Fed? Absolutely, absolutely. The Federal Reserve is a criminal fraud. Do you think they are actually in power? They are actually the puppeteers. Look, the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve is a publicity agency for Wall Street. And Wall Street is essentially the best of the servant class for the Rothschilds. I mean, there's there are 12 families, roughly, uh, led by the Rothschilds, but including some Chinese and Indonesian families that don't like the Rothschilds very much, but they tolerate them. Um, I mean, there's a major meltdown coming. Uh, I believe that we will see the Chinese yuan as the reserve currency of most of the world. I believe that the German Deutsche Bank is going to collapse very soon. Um, I believe that um, here in the United States, I'm not sure we the people will rise up and get it right. But if we do, it will begin at the community level where people basically take back the land and uh, create their own credit uh, and eliminate all absentee landlords. Well, the way I see it, the financial markets are the casino and or the casinos, and the central banks are the casino bosses. Well, they're not the bosses, actually. I think they're more, they're more, they're more like the floor managers. Um, Michael Lewis wrote an excellent book in the 1980s, which blew the whistle on Wall Street. It was called Liar's Poker. And he was recently interviewed about that. And he said, I never imagined that people would fail to understand this for so long. Um, there is absolutely no reason for banks to be allowed to print money and create credit out of nothing and charge interest when the Constitution specifically provides for the government to operate on the basis of the faith and credit of its people and its land. 
Um, we have basically been turned into cattle. And, and of course, this was foreseen with Animal Farm and, and others. And by the way, Karl Marx, there's a lot of good stuff about Karl Marx that most people don't understand. And I've reviewed a couple of books on Marx that uh, have taught me a lot. But one book that I want to specifically mention is Peter Leinbaugh's uh, wonderful book out of the UK called Stop Thief. And he identifies how Marx carefully analyzed the way in which corrupt capitalism gradually diminishes the worker. I mean, it starts with poor wages. It goes toward uncompensated overtime. Then it has the fencing of the commons where subsistence farming and subsistence uh, hunting is made illegal. Uh, just, I mean, Marx really did a very, very nuanced analysis of how the public was being screwed um, by these these emerging financial powerhouses. Uh, and if you look around the world, the only people that have it more or less right are the Nordics. And the reason the Nordics got it right is because labor did not lose in the 1950s. Labor won. I'm referring to the historical thing. One of the problems Norway has is it's way too close to the United States. It has bought into the U.S. military-industrial complex. It is militarizing the Arctic. It is being confrontational with Russia. Norway has a lot of issues. But the Nordics as a group, as an aggregate, uh, I find are among the sanest, best-managed countries in the world. Russia. You mentioned Russia. There's this notion here that Vladimir Putin is a dictator, former KGB, blah, blah, blah. And so was George Herbert Walker Bush, CIA director. Or Barack Obama. Barack Obama's parents were CIA. CIA. She'll cover people. Can you tell us more about the, Obama's parents? I have no direct knowledge, uh, so I can't. Uh, but my reading suggests that their parents, his parents, were... CIA non-official cover agitators. Uh, he actually had his U.S. citizenship, which was legitimate, renounced. He was an Indonesian citizen. Um, now, under U.S. law, if your father renounces your citizenship on your behalf when you're a minor, you can reclaim your citizenship when you become 18. I have seen no evidence that Barack Obama ever actually reclaimed his citizenship. Um but I'm not going to worry about it. He's president, and that's all there is to it. Um, however, what really troubles me is the fact that since Kennedy was assassinated, no president has actually been president. And the Congress has not actually represented the public. And in fact, a number of senators have been murdered. Senator Tower, Senator Wellstone, a number of others. Um, the FBI doesn't actually do counterintelligence. The FBI doesn't actually investigate patterns of murder that are directly tied to Wall Street or Hillary Clinton. Um, and so we the people are essentially being left undefended. Um, and it's, it's apparent that there was a coup d'etat at one point. Was this in 1913 with Woodrow Wilson and the Fed, or could it be 1963 with the assassination of Kennedy? I believe there have been multiple coups at multiple points in time. And the Federal Reserve and the the Revenue Act were a light coup. Kennedy was a hard coup. Um, but once Kennedy and his brother and Martin Luther King was assassinated, there are two absolutely wonderful books 
on the assassination of Martin Luther King. He was assassinated by an army sniper on detail to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And the two books are called Act of State and Death of a King. And I've reviewed both of them with summary reviews. That's the point at which the United States government became a wholly owned subsidiary of Wall Street. Do you think Reverend Jesse Jackson had something to do with it? I don't know. Um, I leave that to you. It's obvious you've read quite a bit and know quite a bit more than I do. Um, what I will say is that everything I have seen suggests that 80 to 90 percent of what's going on in Wall Street is absolutely a high crime and treason that should be prosecuted. And you're not going to get a prosecution from James Comey. He can't even prosecute uh, Clinton for for wire and um, and financial fraud. I mean, the Clinton Foundation. The reason Hillary Clinton had a private server was to conceal the quid pro quo emails. In which the Saudis put in tens of millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation, and said, "Okay, we want Yemen bombed, or we want Syrian uh, uh, rebels to be trained by the CIA." Hillary Clinton is absolutely, in my mind, a world-class traitor, and this is going to come out. It might come out before the election. But there are so many, so many crimes committed by the Clinton family, and now we're talking about Hillary Clinton here, but Nixon. Eighteen and a half minutes he erased of a tape. Hillary Clinton, thirty thousand emails. We have Benghazi. We have Libya. We have so many other things. What is it going to take for this woman to go to prison? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and and by the way, I feel more kindly about Nixon than than you may. Uh, I believe Nixon was ousted by another coup. Um, I don't doubt that. Yeah, no, he was he was basically set up. Um, and as he demonstrated in his years after the presidency, there's absolutely no question that he was a towering intellect, um, and, and a brilliant strategist. Um, but, you know, Martha Stewart went to jail as a token. And when you compare the crimes that Goldman Sachs commits every day, which include destroying entire economies like the Greek and Portuguese and Irish and, uh, And Spanish economies. You compare their crimes with Martha Stewart buying a few shares, and you almost wonder what is going on here when Martha Stewart goes to jail, and these people who manipulated foreign exchange rates and interest rates don't. I mean, Matt Tabby's written an excellent book, Griftopia, and I've done a summary review of that superb book. Um, We have essentially legalized all big crime, and we have, with the Clinton Crime Act, put more black people in jail than there were slaves at the beginning of the Civil War. This is now a war between the one percent and the ninety-nine percent. The U.S. government, which is full of good people trapped in a bad system, is caught in the middle. I don't know what it will take to send Hillary Clinton to jail, and I don't know what it will take. To create a revolution in the United States, but I will tell your listeners who who can find my original uh, master's thesis online, there's a difference between preconditions and precipitants. Preconditions are things like the concentration of wealth and the loss of legitimacy in the public's eyes of the government. Precipitants are things like the Tunisian fruit seller or a burning monk. 
And I've written a, a wonderful article. It's my most read article in Counterpunch. It's called A Fantasy on the Seventh Day. And it starts with a real babe in a tight T-shirt and very short shorts walking up the steps of Capitol Hill and torching herself after doing a YouTube manifesto. That's the kind of thing that would ignite the public. You're, of course, talking about the the fruit seller who set himself on fire, started the Arab Spring. But isn't the Arab Spring, can we attribute this to Hillary Clinton? Well, no, I, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing simple. I mean, George Soros has put a lot of time and effort mm -hmm. into destabilizing countries. And the CIA has put a lot of time and effort into destabilizing countries. And it absolutely breaks my heart that the United States government is best pals with 42 of the 44 dictators on the planet. We like dictators. Um, Admiral Mark Palmer has written a superb book called Breaking the Real Axis of Evil. And if I were president, the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence would become the Undersecretary of Defense for Peace, and the Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy would become the Undersecretary of State for Democracy. And I would actually give every dictator on the planet a five-year exit plan. Uh, we are hypocrites. We are not living up to the magnificent possibilities of humanity when everyone is allowed to work to their fullest potential. We are dumbing down our public We are killing our public. I mean, the, the Center for Disease Control, in my view, is a neo-fascist criminal agency. Um, these people are lying about vaccines. And John Rappaport has got some really mm -hmm. excellent material that's out recently, which basically says they're setting themselves up to the point where they can arrest you if you haven't had your vaccinations. Right. You know, this is insane. And the Zika uh, virus, too. Well, the Zika virus, John did some good work on that, and I absolutely do not connect the Zika virus with mosquitoes. I connect it with pesticides put mm -hmm. in the water right. uh, to kill the mosquitoes. And again, this is why I have called for holistic analytics and true cost economics. Nobody, no government, no corporation does true cost economics. Nobody actually cares about the likely consequences. I mean, you have the, the uh, Federal Communications Commission has just approved a new form of microwave communication that is likely to fry a hundred times more brain cells than cell phones fry now. Um, this is insane. Uh, we are literally becoming a, a, a stupid public run by a stupid government. As it is right now with schools offering Wi-Fi in every classroom, these little girls, their eggs are being fried with the existing technology. So are you saying there's going to be something more powerful coming on board? Yes. Now, Nixon, just I, I don't want to forget asking this question. Why do you think Nixon was ousted? Um. I'm not sure, but I think there are people that did not like his reconciliation with China. I mean, one of the things that we have, we have three kinds of traders in the United States at the highest level. We have financial traders, we have ideological traders, and we have religious traders. And people will do things for the, for the Zionists, for Opus Dei, for the evangelicals and Pentecostalists. They will put a missile into the Pentagon. 
based on their religious conviction that it will help lead to the apocalypse. Okay, And the FBI does nothing about these traitors. They're off limits. The FBI is not a serious agency. It's perfectly capable of harassing an activist. It's perfectly capable of funding 175 false terrorist um, plots in the United States. Excellent book, The Terror Factory. Documents how the FBI and the FBI money and FBI informants are behind 175 terrorist convictions uh, in U.S. courts. And this is insane. Because the truth was extracted by force? No, because the FBI will go to an to a retarded Muslim kid living with his mom and use an informant to give the Muslim kid 3000 bucks so he can move out mm. into an apartment and then go to a mosque and start talking about terrorism right. and maybe recruit someone else to be a terrorist. And so what the FBI ends up Patsies. with – Yes, patsies and false flags. In fact, I did – I mean I've actually run a false flag operation. Uh, and nothing, a false flag means nothing more than not what it appears to be. No one died in mine. I wrote an analysis of the Orlando mass casualty event, which is available as a Kindle short. And I identified 70 anomalies in, I think, 10 groups. And I sent a courtesy copy of the draft by certified mail to the director of the FBI, inviting him to critique the piece. Of course, I heard nothing back. But I am a perfect patriot. I do not break laws. Um, I will never violently or, or – I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect citizen, but I'm a thinking citizen. And I find it quite stunning that the FBI not only will not convict, will not indict Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, but the FBI will not fess up to the fact that most of these uh, so-called – terrorist incidents, including San Bernardino and the Boston bombing um, and uh, Sandy Hook. These are false flag attacks. And such deaths as occur are occurring at the hands of white mercenaries who have been hired. I mean, when Black Lives Matters does a protest in Dallas, they're not killing cops. This is white army snipers who are working for a mercenary whose goal is to pin the death of cops on yep. Black Lives Matter. Right. I, I feel very helpless. I feel very, very sad and very helpless. Let me, since you're talking about false flags, I'm jumping around a little bit. Boston, the Boston Marathon bombing, which to me was a false flag. Well, and Jim, Jim Fetzer's done some good books on both Sandy Hook and False Flag, and they're, yes, they're clumsy has. books in a way because he just like pours everything into a bin and swishes it around and then publishes it. Um, but yeah, Boston, Boston was a, was not only a false flag, and there's a wonderful briefing on my website of a retired FEMA guy actually briefing how to run the Boston Marathon false flag operation a couple of years before it actually happened. But let me ask you about the brothers. The, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. The Sarnev brothers, the older brother, we saw naked, handcuffed, getting into a police vehicle. The next day, we hear the news changed, saying that he actually was run over by a car because he was shooting. When, I, I, I have I have no direct knowledge, but you know, as a trained analyst, I look for anomalies. And I look for consistencies in patterns. And one of the reasons that the government gets away with false flag operations is because the mainstream media, including the progressive media, 
Slate, Rolling Stone, Truth Out, they're all captives. Yeah. They're pretending to be progressive media. But, for example, none of them, and I've, I've tried many times, not a single one of them would touch electoral reform as a story. Of all of the years in which electoral reform should be a cover on Time magazine, this is the year. Nobody will touch it. I personally communicated with Massimo Calabrisi, the uh, bureau chief for Time, who, who many years ago put a piece by me in Time magazine on open source intelligence. Uh, and Massimo's a good person. But the bottom line is that all of these people that work for the media outfits, including Rolling Stone and Slate and Truth Out, they all have very narrow lanes in the road. And they understand that if they get out of their lane, they will either be fired or killed. And so there is a media narrative that immediately covers up the inconsistencies in the government narrative. And, uh, you know, Chris Hedges has nailed it. We have become a stupid people who cannot focus. We can't think. Um, our attention span, we have the attention span of a middle-aged gerbil. That's right. Um, and so, I mean, this is a very sad, sad situation. I, I hope and I pray that humanity will rise out of this condition. But um, it's know, a I, very I, bad. I had another author a few weeks ago who did not want at first to come on the show. And he, you know, after we spoke on the phone for an hour, he realized that this was serious, but he told me, he confessed and said, I just cannot understand how anybody would listen to me for two hours. The attention span of the public is so short that I can't see anybody doing it. And luckily for us, we have thousands of people listening to us around the world who want to spend time listening to people like you here. But I think what you said is correct. You're either subverted or destroy the rules of the game stay the same what changes it's the players so right now in an election year this is a no-go for electoral reform wouldn't it yeah it is and i don't know what's going to happen four years from today i mean i i've certainly considered running for the libertarian nomination and if i did run a uh, run for the for the libertarian nomination the first words out of my mouth would be, are you done with dopers <laughs> um you know because it was stupid of the libertarian party not only to nominate gary johnson but to i i like governor weld very much but to nominate two old white guys at a time when people of color and millennials are the the two groups and latinos are are the, are the three groups that really matter is for me clinically insane Um, the Libertarian Party also, while it has many good points, including the fact that it can get on every ballot, every state ballot, it's destructive. It's, it's got a libertarian mafia that is absolutist. And what I discovered, what I learned running for president is that all parties, without exception, are toxic. Parties are toxic because they insist that your vice president be from the same party. They insist that you embrace the party platform. They insist that you nominate a winner-take-all single-party cabinet. And they insist that you fulfill promises they've made to donors in back rooms. All parties are toxic. If I could pray for one thing for the United States of America, it would be that we could force through electoral reform by 2018 And in 2020, elect the coalition cabinet that I have put forward at phibetaiota.net on multiple occasions. And that would certainly include Cynthia McKinney as vice president. What's your opinion on the Electoral College? 
it needs to be uh, revisited. One of the things that troubles me is that some of the amendments to the Constitution have essentially moved us away from the Founding Fathers' vision, uh, the 14th and the 17th Amendments particularly. Um, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. What I do, my gift, is to listen to other people and bring together many, many uh, points of view. Uh, I believe we need a constitutional convention. Uh, I believe we need to revisit the amendments. We certainly need to double down on the first and the second amendment. We probably need to reverse the 14th and the, and the uh, 17th amendment. And I would also point out that the original vision of the founding fathers was that the vice president would always be the runner up for the presidency. And that was changed. Uh, so we have corrupted our own constitution here in the United States. Uh, I am a constitutionalist and I absolutely believe that the Democratic and Republican parties are one bird, two wings, same crap. I have to ask you this. I think of Ronald Reagan, 1981, March of 81, when he there was an attempted uh, assassination with him. Did he really choose George Herbert Walker Bush or was that some somebody called him and said, you need to change maneuvers here and and choose him? And then all of a sudden, wasn't well, I, it timely I, I, I that have... he almost got killed? I have no direct knowledge, but I know two things. I know that George Herbert Walker Bush was in Dallas on the day that Kennedy was assassinated, hmm. as was Yashik Rabin from Israel. Uh, and I know that a member of George Herbert Walker Bush's family was very close to Hinckley. Was it Yashik or Yitzhak Rabin, the one who was murdered in 90-some? Yeah, I, ha I have no direct knowledge. But from where I sit, the Bush and Clinton families are two of the most criminal families that we have ever produced in modern history. But it was Yitzhak Rabin, the one who was killed in 1996? I don't know. And now Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Your thoughts on both of them? Well, I mean, I I, I have your, your listeners can find my thoughts on Donald Trump at tinyurl.com forward slash Trump dash Rothschild with the T and the R capitalized, although it might not be case sensitive. So Trump-Rothschild, tiny URL. And the headline is, has Trump accepted a $20 billion bribe from Lynn Rothschild to throw the election? Or is he just a big ego with no vision and a rotten staff? And it has 10 updates. And this is, of course, free. And so there's a lot there to think about. Um, my gut feeling is that Trump never expected to actually be president, he was running just to to inflate his, his ego. Brand. Yeah. Well, I you know I think he look. I, there's no question in my mind that Donald Trump is a very smart guy, and if he would listen to me, I think. I mean, I wrote the original article for Counterpunch in August fifteenth of twenty fifteen. I wrote the original article how Trump can win, and my top gold guy told me a couple weeks ago that he talked to Donald Jr. And, and Trump and Donald Jr. read the article and decided that they could win with white people and that they weren't going to change their strategy. So I have to ask myself, does Donald Trump really want to win or is he just running to elect Hillary Clinton? And there were smarter people than me that said from day one that Trump was, like Bernie Sanders, a sheepdog for Hillary mm -hmm. Clinton. And you uh, see, I, I'm not a political strategist. I'm not a debate expert. But even I could have taught Trump how to debate Hillary. 
And I just cannot see this man who, as you say, very successful. You have to admire many of the things he has accomplished. And the fact that he behaved the way he did makes me wonder if it's on purpose. I keep saying that. Look, the truth will come out eventually. I I personally think that Donald Trump has done everything he could to lose this election. Um, And I'm just flabbergasted. Uh, because he could have, he could have, for example, because he's saying the system is rigged, he could have doubled down on that and sponsored an electoral reform summit. And with the Republican majorities in the Senate and the House right now, he could have easily gotten the Electoral Reform Act passed. That would have forced, uh, Hillary Clinton into a very tight spot. Right now, Stanford University has documented that Hillary Clinton stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders. Every single state that did not have paper backups, she stole the election. Um, and that's documented. This is black and white stuff. Uh, so she's planning to steal the election from Trump. But Trump is, in my judgment, doing everything possible to lose it all by himself. Um, and, I mean, there are three explanations. Uh, one explanation, which I heavily discount, is that he's just – too much ego and a small brain, and he's not as smart as he says he is. And I don't believe that. I think Trump is very smart, and I think Trump knows exactly what he's doing. So then the next question is, does he really realize he doesn't want to be president because it's it's a pain in the ass? You got to be on time, and you got to meet people you don't like, and you know, as as that movie Dave uh, forecast, <laughs> you got to stand in line to to receive a fish from somebody. Uh, so I think that's a big part of Trump's deciding that he doesn't want to win. He's not playing to win. Um, and then the third one, which I wrote about, and, and it's at tinyurl.com forward slash Trump dash Rothschild, is Lynn Rothschild knows Donald Trump very well. And she's Hillary Clinton's most important financial backer. Um, it's absolutely conceivable to me that Lynn Rothschild has had a one-on-one with Donald Trump and said, Donald, whatever happens, um, I like you. And if Hillary Clinton wins, I'm going to find a way to double your money within a year. So all that has to be said. Well, somebody who's probably owning trillions of dollars and not reported anywhere, right? Oh, look, Lynn, Lynn Rothschild can, can, can buy Trump with one of her gold toilets. Um, this is a man who probably has about five billion dollars. If he had to, if he had to uh, uh, dissolve everything and walk away with just gold, my best guess is he'd pull out two and a half billion. Um, so this is not a rich guy. I mean, you know, Trump is is the joke on Trump is that he can't even inherit wealth, and he's extremely sensitive. On, on the point that, that, I mean, he made his money basically by getting a start from his dad and by having the Kumo family in his pocket. Um, they got him out of a lot of jams and gave him a lot of breaks. Um, now, having said that, I think Trump has made his money more or less honestly. I mean, there are a lot of very troubling things having to do with fraud and renegotiating and stiffing people and so forth. But by and large, Trump is small potatoes. When you consider the money he's made in casinos and construction compared to the money that Goldman Sachs makes, makes overnight mm-hmm. by, manu- by manipulating the interest rate, okay? The Goldman Sachs people look at Trump and they see a uh, junkyard dog, 
Well, I was watching the stock market during the first presidential debate, and I was looking at the markets after both were speaking. It seems that the markets like Hillary and they don't like Trump. Have you noticed well, that? Well, that's, that's been made obvious. And I'll tell you what I like about Trump and, and the reason why I am absolutely going to vote for Trump. Um, if Trump can maintain his integrity, he is Wall Street's worst enemy because he knows Wall Street in a way that Hillary does not. Hillary is basically a hired hand. I mean, her daughter, Chelsea, who, who may be Weld, uh, Weld's daughter, not Bill's daughter, um, her daughter, Ch- Chelsea, was making $650,000 a year right out of college. There is no way on God's green earth that girl is worth more than 100000 Um The rest is payoffs for her family. When you look at a picture of Esther Hubble next to it, Chelsea, <laughs> you have no doubt that she is actually the daughter of Webster Hubble. I have resisted the temptation to post that picture. And and I have to have a certain amount of sympathy for for Hillary Clinton because Bill Clinton makes it very hard uh, to be married to. (laughs) Um, And now you have Danny Williams, too. You've probably followed that story as well. No, I don't. Look, I, 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 I sat down for brunch with someone who worked with Hillary Clinton very directly and intensely. And and he told me, and I absolutely believe him, this is one of the smartest, most ruthless lawyers America has ever produced. Um, but what about her health? What's that? What about her health? I I, I think she could have a stroke before election day. Uh, and, and another reason to not vote for Hillary Clinton is because if she has a stroke after election day, we get uh, Kane. Kane, My goodness. Jeez. Did you watch the, uh, Vice presidential debate yesterday? No, I, I don't. Although I've seen the clips, and I think Mike Pence is is my favorite for president in twenty twenty. It was hard, so hard to watch. And what about George Soros? Why does he have so much interest in flooding Europe, flooding the United States with with people? And I understand, folks. As I said, we're bombing Syria, and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. And all these people are being displaced. They have nowhere else to go. However, we have Saudi Arabia with camps that are air-conditioned. They could house a million and a half people. They haven't taken one. And they're being brought here to Europe. They don't speak the language. They are not compatible with the culture. What is the reason for all of this happening? Well, I'll tell you something. I, I think George Soros is selling Western civilization short. He is planning on making a lot of money from the collapse of the United States and Europe. So basically what you're saying is if USA Inc., a corporation, was traded in the stock market, he will be short. He is shorting it right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. George Soros is funding the race war. Um, And one of the reasons George Soros is funding the race war is because the absolute last thing the 1% want all of us to understand is that we can take them out overnight simply by not reporting to work and by renouncing all of our debts. I've actually published a debt renunciation idea that I tried to give to Trump. I wanted Trump to invite every American who has student debt or health debt or or um, or housing debt or any kind of debt to invite every single American to sign a debt renunciation pledge, which would only be activated after Trump 
was elected president and went to the banks and said, you're going to cut everyone's debt by two thirds or I'm going to renounce it all. Right now, we have close to $20 trillion in national it's debt. It's insane. And, and the banks, the, they, you know, this debt, this debt is interest debt. That's it's right. Not principal but debt. who do we owe it to, Robert? Where did that come from? From where I sit, we're ready for a debt jubilee. Do you think some countries, say China, would take this as an act of war if we decided we are canceling our debt? Well, now, there's two kinds of debt. There's, there's individual debt, and then there's community debt or, or sovereign debt. Um, our relationship with China is much more complicated uh, than, than the debt, and it includes us stealing all their gold. Um, there's an excellent book by uh, Sterling and Peggy Seagraves called Gold Warriors, and it talks about all the gold that, that we discovered in the Philippines that had been buried by the Japanese. And that's where Ed Lansdale got his start, and that's where CIA got the Black Lily Slush Fund that it used to restore fascism in um, Japan and Germany and Italy. Um, but then later, there was the Green Hilton Accord between Indonesia and John F. Kennedy. And we took all the gold from Indonesia, much of it Chinese-owned, and it was used to prop up the United States, and it came due the week after 9-11. I really urge your listeners to look up Black Eagle Trust online and read the very fine summary as well as the actual document. All of the brokers and all of the computers associated with the U.S. debt to China were destroyed in 9-11. Don't tell me that um, it was in Building 7. Um, I can't remember. Uh, but I, I hold Richard Gage in the highest regard, and your, your, um, your listeners can go to phibetaiota.net, or they can just look up on Google. They can look up 9-11 at phibetaiota. Uh, and they'll get right to some excellent summaries. You know that 13 nations warned us about 9-11 uh, months in advance. And Dick Cheney declared a national counterterrorism exercise for the date of 9-11 mm -hmm. months in advance. 9-11 is totally on the shoulders of Dick Cheney. But wouldn't, couldn't we say the same thing about Pearl Harbor? We knew about it. The Australians were reminding us. Um, no, no, that's a good new. point. But 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 we did not put controlled demolitions in every airplane in Pearl Harbor, and we did not put a missile into the Pentagon in Pearl Harbor. We did not kill three thousand people of our own with our own munitions at Pearl Harbor. We allowed Pearl Harbor to happen. Dick Cheney made nine eleven happen. So that's the big difference, your opinion. I think so. We allowed the Japanese to come in so we could enter the war. Well, it's worse than that. We not only allowed the Japanese to come in, Roosevelt did eight separate acts of war against Japan prior to Pearl Harbor. Meaning the embargo, the oil embargo, what I, else? I can't remember. I can't remember the details. Uh, but if you if you do the homework, and, and, and I can't remember which book I read, which is unusual, but the bottom line is Roosevelt actually did eight acts of war against Japan in order to get them to attack us. Now, before we separate both segments, I'm glad that we're going in, 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 we have a few topics that we want to analyze. You also have something called Revolution USA. What is that? Well, I've, I've published a graphic and um, 
and your listeners can find it at Phi Beta Iota. And by the way, my, my search engine works very well. So if you go to Phi Beta Iota and you type in uh, graphic revolution uh, in the search bar, you'll get you'll get right to it. Um, when I did my master's thesis, I create my first master's thesis. I created an original model for um, predicting revolution, and it identifies all of the conditions, uh, preconditions of revolution in a political, legal, socioeconomic, ideal, cultural, techno demographic, and natural geographic spaces. And so, I have published a graphic preconditions of revolution in the USA today, and your listeners. Um, <laughs> Your listeners can find it. There's a tiny URL for it. Uh, it's tiny URL forward slash steel dash revolution with the S and the R capitalized. So tinyurl.com forward slash steel dash revolution. What this boils down to is the U.S. government does not make evidence based decisions. The U.S. government does not make decisions in the public interest. The U.S. government makes decisions based on a 5% standard kickback from the people who are looting the public treasury. So the cabinet secretaries don't actually think about how to improve education or agriculture or health or water management or whatever. What they think about is how to protect and expand budget share in favor of the mega industries that are going to give them their post-cabinet job. Well, you probably have, I don't know if you've seen the latest WikiLeaks leaks showing that during the TARP times when banks needed the money, those representatives that worked to get the banks their billions of of dollars received X percentage yep. into political contributions. Look, this the, the, the I, I've worked with many excellent Hill staffers, and there are some very fine congressmen, but, but the bottom line is every senator and congressman becomes corrupt on day two of their of their um, entering on duty the standard kickback i mean randy cunningham is an exception he's a particularly venal and corrupt person who makes the other people look like altar boys <laughs> the standard kickback on capitol hill in the united states of america is five percent of every earmark five percent no wonder these people like the clintons they're worth what two hundred and fifty billions that we know of. Well, you know this is this is why I share your view that Trump isn't being serious, because I would be hitting Hillary Clinton on her offshore banking accounts. Exactly. Um, there is no question in my mind that Bill Clinton is a world class criminal who has hidden billions of dollars. Look at Haiti after the earthquake. How many billions well, did they collect? Yes, and, and and see, part of the problem is the Red Cross is just as criminal. Okay, they, most nonprofits are a scam. I mean, no. if I were president, I would eliminate all taxes and all tax loopholes. Um, we would implement Edgar Fage's uh, automated payment transaction tax. And the, the beautiful thing about the automated payment transaction tax is if you do it right, the tax rate is set by the public, which means that if you want to go to war, the public has to agree to increase the tax rate. But nonprofits, by and large, in my experience, are a scam. The, the nonprofit foundations in New York are a scam. Uh, the Red Cross and all these other so-called humanitarian organizations are a scam. Uh, the Save the Puppies organizations are a scam. They basically spend 80% of their money on salaries. Exactly. Don't get me started. I audited it. 
the, Mus- the MDA, Muscular Dystrophy Association, and what I've found, this is in the 90s, this is when I realized that all these nonprofits run for the cure, cancer. Do you really think cancer society wants a cure? You have people well, making... Well, no, it's even worse than that. Cures already exist. Banana exactly. oil, for example, right. uh, will, will cure breast cancer. Um, there, there has been, and, and um, Seth Hasselberger, one of the guys I follow, uh, did an excellent post the other day on where our aversion to natural medicine has come from. And it basically goes back to the witch hunts um, and and the, the view that people who cook up herbs are, are some kind of witch. But what has happened in the United States, and this is one of the reasons I'm very upset with the FBI – the single most murderous industry in the United States of America is the medical pharmaceutical industry. Pharma, yep. Not only does it murder millions of people with bad medicine or medicine that's a placebo, but it actually goes out and murders medical activists. And because we have 18,000 police jurisdictions in the United States and the FBI is incompetent in the field of information technology, nobody is collecting the data. Nobody is doing the pattern analysis. Now look if how I many president. Look how many naturopathic uh, doctors have been found absolutely. dead in the past year. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a pattern, and and you have to always ask the question: Who benefits? Um, but the bottom line here for me is that we don't have a government of, by, and for we the people right now. And let's break this segment and we'll come back with so much more but let me say this before we break isn't it interesting Robert that hackers have broken the year's biggest stories and the quote unquote journalists have tried to cover them up I'll get your reaction on the other side how can people buy your books learn more about your work Robert well they can just look up Robert David Steele I'm the top Robert David Steele on the planet um, I have a number of Kindle books uh, about electo reform at Amazon, and they're all 99 cents. And I would be deeply, deeply grateful if people cared to buy these books. And they can also donate directly. Any donation at Phi Beta Iota uh, is tax deductible in the United States and receives an immediate email from me that opens up a conversation. Phi Beta Iota.net. Wonderful. Folks, we're very privileged. This is an exclusive interview with former CIA officer let me make sure it's officer with us here tonight on veritas so much more when we return this is mel famagus and you are listening to veritas don't go anywhere thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important veritas interview if you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest go to veritasradio.com click on members or subscribe or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs if you are listening on youtube like subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy. Enjoy. 